Did you hear? This is your Johnson County Library Insider. And now, our monthly must-knows. Here's the episode's call number. 153.35 Pressfield. The War of Art. Break through the blocks and win your inner creative battles. We present your word of the month. Triptych. A work of art that is divided into three panels. If this episode had three panels, it would be exhibitions, music, and writing. Here are numbers you should know. Eight. We have eight galleries that will soon be hosting original artwork. Welcome to another edition of Did You Hear? Your Library Insider. Your Library Insider. (laughs) It's fun to say. Hey, um, you know what? We are on part four of our Discover Your Library series, and uh, we've lost some folks along the way. It's been a long, arduous journey, but oh my gosh. Getting that ring to the mountain, though. Yeah. Yeah. We're like on the foothills. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, this, uh, episode has me so excited because unlike you, I'm a big music fan. I love, (laughs) (laughs) I love, I love the arts. Unlike you, um, I love, uh, exhibitions. Um, and you know what? I, 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 I know that I'm, I'm teasing (laughs) Charles because Charles has a music background. And so, um, he, I do. <laughs> you do not hate I, music. Or no, maybe you I'm do. A, I'm a fan. Some, some people will do what they hate <laughs> their entire life. You know? the, the, that's true. It's like, that, ah. That's not me, though. Yeah, I, okay. I like to follow my passions, and music is one of those. Well, I, I, I will say this, that, you know, um, they, they say that art can be transformative, and I really like to think that music... And, you know, a, a good story, um, visual art, th- those are the types of things that take me away, you know. Right. Um, that's what is special to me in this world. And uh, today we get to talk about it. Right. Yep. Our whole focus on this show is going to be all of the different ways that arts and culture help define who we are here at Johnson County Library. And to kick things off, we have a track from The Wires.
Okay, so that was Campbell Street by Kansas City's own The Wires, and they join us now. Could you please introduce yourselves and identify which instrument you play? Yeah, um, my name's Laurel Parks, and I play the violin slash fiddle. And my name is Sasha Groshong, and I play the cello. Okay, great. It's so good to uh, hear uh, both of you again. Campbell Street is a track on your newest album, right? And so could you tell us the name of the album and where people can find that? Yes. Okay. So the name of the album is called Winter, and people can find that on all the places where you would find your music. So Bandcamp, um, you can find it at thewires.info, our website, uh, Spotify, Apple Music. It's it's out there. Um, yeah. And the name Campbell Street uh, is the street Sasha lives on, okay. and we named we named it that because on our phone we record all of our songs onto the phone. And so it, it was naming the songs according to what street we recorded the song on. Oh, that's and hilarious. So we, yeah, so it just was called Campbell Street. And then if you know we record something at my house, it's called Rock Hill Road. So uh, maybe we'll come up with a song called Rock Hill Road. But yeah, Campbell Street. But I thought it kind of went with it because that song has a pretty wintry vibe. And, um, you know, I... I'm not sure if we wrote it in winter, but, um, you know, I have little kids and it's fun to really watch them grow up in, in this old house and, you know, see them play out in the snow and everything. So I felt like it actually really went with the track. Okay. That's awesome. Um, so I, I don't know if you remember, but uh, a few years ago, I'm not sure how many years, but uh, we did a recording session together. And so uh, you all came to our makerspace at the Johnson County Library. Yes, I remember. You performed. Yeah, and it was so great. It's one of my all-time favorites of all, all those sessions that we did. Aww. Um, so that, that led me to think, it's like, well, that, that was a little while ago. So how long have you been playing together? 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and we're we're only thirty nine and forty. <laughs> so pre pre souls. <laughs> we've actually been playing together. Um, we've known each other for twenty years, and uh, we played a whole ton of like gigs together. Um, we went to college together at UMKC, and um, you know played all the weddings and everything together. And then I moved to New York, and when I moved back, uh, Laurel's band. She was in a, a a band in the Pines for a really long time, and they were kind of going through a transition. And I wanted to create kind of my own project. And um, so we decided to get together. And um, I had, like, listened to a bunch of people in New York playing crazy cello, like hitting uh -huh. and doing all sorts of interesting techniques. And I kind of came up with a really short riff and I sent it to Laurel on my phone and she came up with like an amazing thing to go along with it. And that became our first tune. And from there, um, the rest is history. And I think that was in wow. about 2009. So wow. we've been the wires since, um, for about 12 years. Okay. Well, you know, so once you get together then, do you feel like there have been changes to the process or your music over the years? I feel like we've just become a little bit more psychic. Like, um, it, I think before we used to struggle a little bit more with our parts and how they fit together. Uh -huh. And now it's almost like we can write 
things at the exact same time. And then we both kind of have a very similar like shared brain on whether or not we'd like something. Um, so yeah, I think that it's more of like a, like just a synergy between our two creative minds. So tell me about that. So when, when you write a song, how often do you have your song after the first go at it? Or, or is there a lot of, you know, post analysts and changes and little fine tuning here and there afterwards? Oh Lord. It's like, you know, we're always like, Oh, okay, we're going to write a song a week. Well, that's <laughs> happened like one time. Um, so usually it's a really long process because we write almost everything, you know, together in the same room. And you, she and I, we meet every day um, to work on our stuff or we have various other projects um, going on at the same time, but we try to play, you know, three or four times a week and work on whatever pieces we're working on at the moment. Um, but I think we do a lot of, uh, I just lost my train of thought. I heard like a cat in my house. Um, <laughs> we do, uh, a whole lot of slow writing where you know one of us will come up with a little part or the other part one will come up with a little part or we'll come up with it kind of together and then the next day we might piece another part of it together so a lot of it takes a lot longer than we ever initially thought wow okay um all right so this episode that is uh people are hearing this interview uh, in is uh, entitled The Arts. And it's part of a seven part series we're calling Discover Your Library. And so I want to ask you, can, can you describe your relationship with the library? And, and I, I guess I want to approach that from both as the band, but maybe also as individuals. Just, okay, the library in general yeah, or the, your specific library? Johnson County Library. Okay, Johnson County Library. So we've played uh, at, you know, like we've recorded at Johnson County Library. And yeah. then we've worked with Ryan Voyel, I think, Bull. on a couple, uh -huh. Bull, yeah, on a couple different things. But we're just so impressed with the programs that the, the library offers. I remember before COVID, I was building a workshop actually to come in and, and talk about people overcoming their kind of performance anxiety in terms of uh, presenting their create, creative works, not just in music, but just, you know, it could be public speaking or arts or whatever you have going on. Um, of course, you know, our friend COVID changed a lot of those kind of <laughs> right. public programs, so it didn't end up ha happening. But as musicians, we feel, you know, very supported by the library and that we could just, you know, reach out and, and connect to the community there. Very good. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I want to make sure that our listeners know that you are featured in our um, local music blog where we have 300 different entries for local musicians, but um, that's where you all did an interview and some of your music is available there as well. So definitely want to plug that. Um, I do want to ask, are you out there performing right now? Um, and if so, where can people see and hear you? And um, uh, also, I understand that you are hosting a show on KCUR now. Okay, well, I'll talk, a, I'll talk about the, um, 
performances. Sasha, you can do the show. Okay. <laughs> um, so we have a bunch of performances coming up that are, um, you know, not giant and we want to be COVID safe, but they are to support a book that we have coming out um, that got, actually it's out. It's on Mill Bay Publishing Company. And so we're going to be going on a little tour around town and it, it's not, um, it's sheet, a book of sheet music and it's actually transcriptions of this tune that you played Campbell Street plus um, a bunch of other Christmas arrangements. And we just booked our December 3rd a little book release at a, a great little place in the West Bottoms called Ninth and State Line. So that's coming up December 3rd. And then we'll have a, a several other events locally, just a book signing, play a couple songs and bring people out. And I imagine we that's all on your website as well, right? Yeah, we okay. also have, um, we're playing, I think, Art in the Loop on September 23rd. So we'll be out in the streetcar at the River Market. And I think oh, cool. we're playing a concert for the library in November. Excellent. Um, yeah, I can't remember the exact date, but it's on a Friday or a Saturday. And um, we're excited about that. Um, as far as the radio show, we ha are actually hosts now of uh, a weekly radio show called Sound Currents on 91.9 Classical KC. And we explore all things new music. Um, so we get to kind of create the programs ourselves and pick out whatever music we'd like to feature. And we love to feature local composers as well as national and international composers. And then the fun part is we get to sit around and talk about it. We get to say, hey, did you like that? Or did you like, what did you think about that? And we really get to be honest. <laughs> And Excellent. it's really fun. Yeah. And um, like we've been having a great time. So you can listen to that um, anytime on classicalkc.org or it plays on 91.9 Classical KC at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings or 8 p.m. on Wednesday evenings. Very good. And so finally, my last question, I have to preface a little bit and say that uh, kind of give you an idea of where this question's coming from. Um, and it's that you all um, aren't necessarily your traditional wires, uh, you know, uh, uh, string to instrument act. I, I feel like um, you have the freedom to put some aggression into your music. Maybe aggression is <laughs> not the right word, but I mean, it's, uh, it, it's got some assertiveness to it and it's, it's bold and it's exciting. And um, so my question is, is it okay to call you to the white stripes or the black keys of the strings, string world? <laughs> Hey, I'd take it, yeah. <laughs> but I'll take almost anything. So I'm like easy. <laughs> um, but yet I think, you know, we, we grew up not just listening to classical music. We uh -huh. listened to, you know, string music from all sorts of different traditions, like Turtle Island String Quartet was one of our favorites. Um, there was an album by Yo-Yo Ma, Edgar Meyer, and Mark O'Connor that did a bunch of Appalachian music um, called Appalachian Waltz. Growing, growing up, these were like in my heavy rotation and so mm -hmm. um we were inspired by a lot of different styles of music and i think we're both passionate about continuing to learn music from all over the world including pop yeah. and rock um and we're you know excited by that and we want to translate that more into string instruments and let people know you don't just have to sit and you know classical music is amazing in so many levels but we can really expand the definition of classical music and what that means. Yeah, and I think too, with our particular songs, they just all kind of turn out to be kind of 
more of a pop length of a, a song. So you're not gonna hear like a 12 minute wire song. They're like four to six minutes long. And then when we do our shows, we really appreciate like the audience engagement and kind of explaining each song and the visual aspects of the song that come through for us and inviting people to use their own imagination as they listen to our music. So yeah, we're excited about it. And, and I think that comes through in our music. We never want it to be boring. We always want to be changing and dramatic and cinematic and fun. So I'd like to take this opportunity to point out that you can find all kinds of really great local artists like um, the, the Wires in our local music blog. And so if you go to jocolibrary.org slash local music, um, my gosh, there's over 300 local musicians there. It's great. It's a huge resource, huge collection at this point. It, they've over time keep adding more and more. And you can sort by category, genre of, of the artist, and just, or you can just start at the top and listen to them all. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the, the great thing is there's, uh, there are interviews there. Um, you can find uh, tracks. So you can listen to the artist right there. You don't have to leave the website, mm -hmm. which we don't want you to leave the website. We want you to stay there forever. <laughs> Right. And it even links to other relevant things. So in a lot of the interviews, if, if they mention some library materials, it'll have a link right there so you can find it in our catalog. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's really interesting to hear these musicians, um, what their interests are, you know, as, as far as uh, their favorite books, their favorite movies and their favorite music, because sometimes their music um, isn't necessarily the music they play. Right. Are you like that? Yeah. Yeah. I think mainly because of my, my primary instrument being just a band instrument, like a, a concert band, like you think okay. of with high schools. I, but what I you like, listen to for leisure yeah, is different? Yeah. I you don't listen, listen to, to band music? <laughs> Some, sometimes I do. Sometimes I put, <laughs> pop in my Sousa CD. <laughs> I can see you sitting in your Listen to some marches. <laughs> yeah. But Ciao. I also like pop music and I... Oh. I have a, a wide variety of musical influences. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's great. Um, you know, one thing I'd like to point out about the website is, you know, that jocolibrary.org slash local music, that's an easy URL or mm -hmm. web address, a link to that section of the website, easy to get there. However, you might realize if you've gone to jocolibrary.org, Oh my gosh, it's a huge website, right? It is. There's so, a ton of, ton of stuff on there. ton of stuff, absolutely. And so we want to help you a little bit. And, and part of the podcast is to make sure that you know every nook and cranny of all the goodness that's on the website that that's represents... That's why we call it your library insider. <laughs> <laughs> your library insider! We need we need a like a zinger. Zing, zing, zing! zing. Your library insider! Library Insider. <laughs> We've got off the rails. Okay, so anyways, you go to jocolibrary.org. The very first item that you'll see on the navigation bar at atop of the website is Explore. And so in Explore, you click that drop-down menu, you will see 
that in the middle column, it says in Johnson County, at the bottom of that list is four writers and local music. So we just talked about local music. Now we're going to shift over a bit. And one more thing. We're talking about if you're in a browser on a computer, if you're using our our mobile site, you'll actually have to click to open that as a separate one. Yeah, that's yeah. that's right. It's um yeah, there's uh we call it hamburger navigation. So right. you look for the little three bars that look like a hamburger and you click that and you'll get access to yeah. more navigation, but still those same labels. Still the same uh, yeah. Yeah. S- yeah, same labels. And so um we have local writers. Now that I've completely derailed your transition. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why you're here. <laughs> that's why you're here. It's fun that way. Yeah. Um, so right above the local music, we have local writers. Local writers. And so, again, that's under the Explore section of the website. And so we're going to talk about writers. And here is one of our contest winners, Martha Gershon. Dave, my name is Martha Gershon, and I am calling to read my winning essay for inclusion in your podcast. It is called The Hatch. The Hatch. My dad works on spaceships. He makes the part they throw away. The caption, carefully printed in my still-maturing hand, stretched along the bottom of a crayon illustration of a rocket hurtling towards the sky. Flames shooting out the back end. The assignment had been to make a picture that depicted your father's job. The daddy work pictures lined the walls of Mr. Coviello's sixth grade classroom at Emory Elementary School, greeting our parents as they arrived for back to school night. I don't remember what my father said when he saw my picture that night. I just remember both my parents telling the story many times in the years that followed. They got a kick seeing how dad's very important, very complicated, often very secretive work looked to their oldest child. Dad worked for North American Aviation, one of the major aerospace companies that built the aircraft that laid the groundwork for our country's space program. And each new plane went faster and higher. America's space ambitions stretched too, coalescing around the extraordinary goal of putting a man on the moon. North American Aviation won the NASA contract to design and build the Apollo Command Service Module, the CSM, the mothership, which would carry astronauts into space and put them into lunar orbit. Then, in January 1967, tragedy struck during a launch test at Cape Kennedy. Astronauts Virgil Grissom, Edward White, and Roger Chafee were supposed to be the first crew to fly into space on Apollo. Instead, they died on the ground when an electrical fire swept through their command module as it sat securely on the launch pad. The investigation that followed found many culprits. Chief among them was the CSM hatch, which the astronauts had been unable to open as the fire grew. With no escape possible, they were condemned to die in the flames. NASA was determined to fix the problem, and my father joined the team charged with redesigning the hatch. The post-accident inspection had revealed a key problem. The inward opening hatch was impossible to open in the high cabin pressure created by the fire. 
with the Apollo 1 tragedy weighing on them. Dad's team designed an outward opening hatch so future crews could escape if another emergency ever happened on the launch pad. Because that hatch would only be needed on the ground, no one would be trying to escape in space. Much of the apparatus was designed to be jettisoned at liftoff, thus reducing the payload that had to be carried into space. My dad built the part they threw away. Dad worked on other NASA projects too, most notably the heat shield that was required to keep the CSM and the astronauts inside from burning up during reentry into Earth's atmosphere. But it was the hatch that was a microcosm for my dad's aerospace career. Dad was a brilliant engineer who had earned a coveted place in the faculty at USC immediately after completing his PhD in thermodynamics from the University of Minneapolis. He had learned to fly airplanes in the Army Air Corps during World War II and trained as a bombardier navigator. He loved math and physics and logic problems, but more than anything, he loved the idea of going into space. As children, we loved the accoutrement of his profession, the many slide rules which he taught us to use with infinite care, the heavy leather briefcase which he always put down by the front door when he came home for dinner each night, and the funny plastic locks that sealed the handles of that briefcase when he traveled to confer with NASA officials and other contractors in Washington. When I asked how locks that could be cut through with ordinary kitchen scissors could protect state secrets, Dad explained that the purpose wasn't to keep someone from opening the briefcase when he traveled. It was to alert his supervisors if, in fact, someone did. This was the Cold War, and spycraft was everywhere. Dad was an endless champion for the space program. We lived three hours ahead of East Coast time, but he would wake us up in the California pre-dawn to watch every launch on TV. His most prized possessions, after the slide rules, were the commemorative chunks of partially burned heat shield encased in clear lucite, handed out to the project engineers after a command module returned home. Some believed we needed to reach the moon in order to beat the Soviets, my dad believed we needed to reach the moon because we could. But the era of adventure and exploration and scientific discovery didn't last. After Apollo 11 successfully put a man on the moon in 1969, the country gradually lost interest in the Apollo program. Bit by bit, the teams my father worked with in North American aviation were disbanded, and his friends and colleagues found other work in academia and private industry. Because my dad loved the space program so much, he refused to bail, holding on to the bitter end. By the time he was laid off in 1971, most of the good jobs teaching science, math, and engineering at our local universities and four-year colleges were filled by those who had left first. After a stint trading puts and calls in the commodities market and teaching math at night at our nearby community college, dad went to work for Bechtel Corporation, designing heat shields for nuclear power plants. Keeping heat instead, keeping heat in instead of keeping it out, he liked to say. But he was never the same. Dad had been a true believer, an aerospace engineer who found passion and hope and beauty in mankind's magnificent effort to reach for the stars. It was inconceivable to him that America had decided to abandon that effort dismantling the vast infrastructure built to pursue that holiest of missions. Like the emergency hatch, 
my father believed the space program had been built for all the right reasons. And now it, too, had been thrown away. The end. Thank you, Martha. And I have to say, uh, amazing work. And we're so fortunate to have such high-quality uh, authors in our area that are willing to share their talents with us. Right. And where can they share those talents, Dave? You know what? You, you might just be the uh, podcast co-host of the year. <laughs> One might go to jocolibrary.org. And uh, again, it's that top ribbon of navigation where you see explore. If you click explore, there's a giant drop down menu if you're on a web browser. Mm-hmm. And um, you will see under in Johnson County, there's four writers. And so on that page, our four writers page, oh my gosh, this is the place to make sure that you keep up to date with all the information that is made available about our annual writers conference, which is so popular, we, we honestly don't need to promote it. Yeah. Dave. So I'll just go ahead and delete that right, right. now. <laughs> Job done. No, no, we do need to mention that it's, it's extremely popular and um, it's such a high quality event. Um, you know, every, everything from the, the presenters, but also the folks that are like you and me that you collaborate with. And sometimes the best ideas come from conversation with people that have the shared passion. Right. Yeah. And not only does this four, four writers section of our website have information about those kind of events like the Writers Conference, it also has the Joko Writes blog and the writing contests. So if you want to be one of those featured writers and follow the writing prompt for the month, then you can go ahead and find it there. And, and you did it, Charles. You tied it right back to Martha because Martha was one of our writing contest winners. Right, she yeah. was. And she was featured in the literary magazine, the Johnson County Library's Literary Notebook for that, which those artists, uh, the writers, get featured alongside visual art in that. So I wanted to talk to one of the visual artists since we're talking about arts today. And so who did, who did you talk to? I talked to Diana Bartell, and she was actually paired with Martha in that same literary notebook. Let's give it a listen. So I am here with Diana Bartell. Uh, she is one of the artists that has been featured alongside the writings that you've you've heard, um, some of the readings on this episode. Well, could you tell us a little bit about uh, your background and how you got connected to the the local writers and that that project? Um, well, I'm pretty much a Kansas City native. I grew up in Overland Park. You know, went to Shawnee Mission Schools, graduated from Shawnee Mission West. Hey, me um, too. <laughs> oh, awesome. Um, I uh, left West. Probably, you probably graduated a little later than I did. <laughs> uh, but I left West, went to K-State, uh, got my bachelor's degree in our education, came back here and taught in Shawnee Mission. Um, 
And then I kind of have a short attention span, so I've been all over the place. But a consistent mm-hmm. in that is that, you know, I'm a big reader. I love to read. I've always loved to read. And the library has been, Johnson County Libraries specifically, have been part of our lives for, you know, forever since we came to Kansas City back mm-hmm. 100 years ago. So um, my connection to the library has always been like, I've, you know, I've always been engaged in one way or another with them. I actually was a page at central library. Um, when I graduated from K state before I started teaching. So, um, (laughs) yeah, I've been connected just through Johnson County for a long time. That's, that is quite a pedigree there. (laughs) (laughs) Can you describe kind of your style or your, your influences that, that go into the artwork that you, that you typically produce or is there, um, or is there a style that you enjoy uh, or a medium that you enjoy working well, in? Well, the majority of my work is in acrylic, so mm-hmm. I'm a painter. Um, and I would consider myself in a contemporary landscape painter. Uh, okay. That's most of my work, what I'm doing right now. I mean, like I said earlier, I have a short attention span, so I move quickly from different styles. Mm-hmm. Um, my degree as it stands is in drawing. <laughs> okay. And so I'm a painter now. Um, and that's most of what I do in acrylic contemporary landscape. I love the Kansas landscape. That's really where I've started and where most of my work has focused. I do a lot of other landscapes, but, but Kansas Prairie, we lived in Manhattan for uh, several years, right on the edge of the Kansas Prairie. And that was, that's a heavy influence in me, you know, like how I, I view landscapes and, yeah. You know, just Kansas and how beautiful it is. Big sky. Yes, there's big sky out there in that part of the yeah. state. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, the the other connection that we've been doing is the interconnectedness of arts in this episode. So, is there anything? Um, I know you said the landscapes that you do that inspires you. In terms of literary works or or music or do you take any inspiration from those kinds of realms of the arts uh well yeah i mean absolutely i think i don't know how to say this without sounding weird but uh, i think reading and music and those kinds of things all feed creativity and so um in an environment any environment where there's literary influences and musical influences and all of those kinds of things, you know, that's, those are lands where anything is possible, right? Like if you, even if you're just talking about books, you're talking about mystery novels and science fiction and, you know, the, the anything that's out there. So um, art finds a natural home in that, in those environments. And so those heavily influence everything you do. Like most of the time that I'm working in my studio, I, um, I have music going or, you know, or, you know, like what you choose to do or where you kind of uh, the, the medium, which you've kind of uh, invested in or whatever um, is probably influenced by things you've read or the experiences that you've had, whether they're literary or physical. But I don't know if that answers your question or not. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. I, uh, I'm just always interested to hear what people's influences are when they're in those creative fields, those mm-hmm. kind of those things that inspire them and, and motivate them. So that, that was great. Thank you. 
Sure. I mean, I think all creativity is interconnected. So whether it's, you know, the written word or I think you, you would find, and I don't know this, there's no scientific <laughs> backing for what I'm saying, but I think a lot of times people who write, paint and create music or, you know, like there's a lot of uh, overlap in places like that. So. Cool. Well, uh, I don't want to keep you for too long here. Is there anything else you'd like to let our audience know about where they could find you or uh, if they want to see more of your more of your work other than just checking out the literary notebook? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I actually still connected in Johnson County in Overland Park. Uh, my work is at Prairie Brook um, Arts, which is in downtown Overland Park, uh, which is kind of, you know, the area of my childhood. It's so fun that, that I get to uh, show and exhibit there. Um, but they carry my work in the Kansas City area, so you can absolutely find me there. And we're back. Good stuff, Charles. Um, yeah. Well done. We actually, after that conversation that you guys just heard, we kept talking there about some of our connections because with her going to K-State and working there at the, the Beach Museum, we talked about Manhattan and, and our time there, and we actually found out we overlapped. We were both there in the same town oh, really? for two years and didn't even know it. Yeah, that so. can happen in a you know big university setting. Yeah. Um, that museum, by the way, is great. You know? It is. Uh, yeah. They've got a Chihuly sculpture. You like Chihuly? You know who he is? He does. Um, he creates these uh, chandeliers. Okay. And so the one at K-State is called is... Prairie Fire. Yeah. And so it's red and it hangs... Yeah facing the corner towards Aggieville. But, I have definitely seen that and know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. and if you want to see some of his work um, here in Kansas City, you can go to the um, Kemper Museum of Art. I believe they have two of his sculptures, maybe just one. Totally sidetracked. It seems like that would be something that a really skilled writer would be able to capture in yeah. words. Yeah, well, you're trying to bring us back. <laughs> uh, I think this is a good example of how uh, the arts can transform <laughs> you and take you take you away from doing the task at hand, like a podcast, yeah. where we're actually trying to redirect ourselves back to the next segment. And, uh, yeah, Charles, Charles is correct. Somebody could write about that. And we mentioned that we have the wonderful Four Writers page, and um, we're not limited to that, however. You can go to our events section and find all kinds of great upcoming events for writers. Mm -hmm. But if you were interested on something, oh, I don't know, on demand, you could go to the front page of the website and look for the on-demand little square and click on that. That will take you to all of our on-demand programming. And well, we want to direct your attention to the authors and writers section. Do you know what's there? I don't know. What? <laughs> well, what's we that? have all kinds of conversations and lectures that are there. And so um, the website reads that every month we offer lectures, conversations, or guided writings uh, to foster our creative, uh, our, our writing community. And, and it's, Dave, you said on demand, so we have to, you, when you log into the site, you pay for each one? And no, you, no, no. Oh, no, no. That's not the way libraries work, Charles. It's not? No. This is all, you know, all part of 
library services and programmings at no cost to you. And so, um, you know, on our front page of our website, after you read the wonderful feature, and I don't know who writes those. I do sometimes. A few of them. (laughs) The bad ones. Um, You'll see a row of these squares, and um, they are advertisements for the big programs that we have coming up. Um, or initiatives. And one of the initiatives that we have is on-demand programming. So it's your library on-demand. It's your doorway into live and archived programming where you'll find arts and culture, career and finance, community matters, and writer's stuff, and a whole bunch of other things. But you click on on on-demand, that takes you... And just for anybody who missed, I was joking. <laughs> Dave, Dave was correct. This is free. <laughs> um, you'll you'll see that you know there's arts and culture, career and finance, authors and uh, authors and writers. So all these different categories. It's within the uh, authors and writers section that when I visited this, I was just blown away because, you know. We've, we've got this uh, Writers' Conference Kids' Day that's coming up. We've got the Writers' Conference coming up. So both of those are going to have on-demand programming, which is great because who knows when people will completely feel safe being out right. in public around each other once again. Yeah, or just maybe you're bored one afternoon. That's, you want to enrich your life. That's the nature of on-demand. Yeah. I want it now, and we have it for you now. But it's it's this section that I find just so compelling, conversations and lectures. And so there are 18 different programs, 18, and it's growing. And I, I think it's just fascinating just scrolling through and looking at all the different offerings that we have. Uh, some of them are lectures. Some of them are conversations. Um, there are some uh, readings of, of poetry mm-hmm. and writings and, and different things like that. Um, a- anyways, it's it's something that I think is uh, really worthwhile to check out. And it also has some quick links to resources for writers and the Joko Writes blog. Yeah. And for those of you going back and binging your, your Did You Hear podcast from the beginning, so you oh, get, no. <laughs> get to re-listen to all your favorites... This resource will continue to become more valuable as time goes by. So you can still go check it out. Yeah, yeah. And and the funny thing is, here we are talking about all the, uh, you know, offerings and programs and things like that for the, that uh, we, we have for writers. But we should really have an expert talk about it. And Probably so, true. One of the things that we like to do on this podcast, as you've noticed over the this Discovering Your Library series, is we like to bring in those experts when we can. Mm-hmm. So we have a local arts librarian here at Johnson County. His name yeah. is Brian Vole. And Dave, you were going to sit down and have a conversation with him, correct? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I did. And uh, the thing about Brian is he's so, I mean, he's a hard worker. He really is. And so uh, I really respect that. And um, he has done some amazing work arranging the exhibitions of art from local artists. He has done an amazing job of gathering um you know, local musicians to provide content for our local music blog. I should mention that both of those um, are 
available on our website. And so right. uh, you go to jocolibrary.org slash local music or jocolibrary.org slash exhibitions. Those are two place, uh, the two places that you can go to um, get informed about all the offerings we have as far as exhibiting artists and um, all of our local music. But you know what? Let's, let's hear it from Brian Vole, and I'll, I'll just shut up. Yeah, well, let's take a listen. Are you saying, yeah, Dave, <laughs> shut up? Well? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Without further ado, here's Brian Vole. If you're going to talk about Johnson County Library and the arts, you really have to talk to our arts librarian, and that's Brian Fole. How are you doing, Brian? Hey, I'm good, Dave. Thank you. How are you? I'm, I'm doing excellent. And, um, you know, when we're talking about the arts, we're specifically talking about three areas that you're really responsible for. Um, one is uh, exhibiting artists, so those artists that are producing art and we're um, displaying it on our, our walls, the, the gallery walls in our yeah. different branches. We're also talking about um, some exciting new uh, online events that are on demand that people can go and uh, listen to some wonderful interviews by you with local artists and national artists as well. And then, um, oh man, it's been uh, going on a long, long time, but the yeah. local music blog. And so that's a lot to talk about. So let's dive in right away. What What's new in the world of exhibitions? Do, do we have art on the wall? We, <laughs> we are getting art on the wall. Yeah. Okay. The, we have, because of COVID and mm -hmm. um, all of the uh, changes that the library has gone through the, the past year and pausing programs, we took a break from bringing in art. But the good news is that is starting back up again. And so oh, the new season of exhibitions, so exhibitions is the name of the, the program uh, where we uh, highlight visual artists in our branch art galleries. Yeah. It starts back up uh, officially on September 1st. Perfect. And uh, we have eight different galleries, different branch galleries right now that will have arts back on the walls by uh, some amazing local artists. And, and we have photography, we've got painting, uh, and we do have some 3D art at the Blue Valley Library. Um, so uh, I'm very excited about the range of art and yeah. artists that, that we've got uh, for this new season of exhibitions. Hey, hey Brian, can, can I just throw out some guesses on who these exhibiting artists might be? Yeah, try. Yeah, like, go uh, ahead. Maybe, um, Joa Besson, um, Jennifer yep. Walker, uh, John Keeling, Nate Hofer. You're doing good. Soul and Zarina. And correct me if I get any of these names wrong. Soul and Zarina. And Zarina. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know that I'm cheating because, and I'll, <laughs> I'll tell our audience to please uh, do, do what I've just done. And, and um, we have listings of all these artists at jocolibrary.org slash 
events slash exhibitions. Or if yeah. you want to be cool and you can just go to jokolibrary.org slash exhibitions. Um, but yeah, look, these look, these look great, Brian. Tell, can, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the, the art that we'll be seeing? Yeah, well, we uh, let me talk about the the photographers that we have, and the the blog that that you're referring to is our exhibitions blog, and this is where we interview the artists who will be showing in in our in our galleries. Um, right now, we don't have all of the art artist interviews up yet, but that is our goal uh, by September first. And the photographers that we We'll be featuring um, at um, uh, the the first one that I'll talk about is William Tony, and he will be showing um, at the Shawnee Library. He's got some photographs that that he will be showing there. The other one is at the Gardner Library. Sylvia Augustus, and she is an amazing photographer of, of, of horses and her equine photography has gotten a lot of recognition. And if you are a fan of uh, horse photography and, and uh, nature photography, um, you're going to want to see her exhibit. Um, she will, her work will be at the Gardner library. That's fantastic. We also have Nate Hofer, and his um, he's got an exhibit that is actually was just shortlisted for the World Peace Photography Prize, and oh, that wow. is an international um, a, a prize that gets a lot of of attention. His photo essay, calls it a photo essay, is called One and a Half Acres, Images from Missouri's 150 Decommissioned Minuteman Missile Silos. Um, we will have more information about what is involved with this uh, exhibit on our website very soon. Uh, but it is basically uh, aerial sh shots that Nate took with a drone of these decommissioned Minuteman missile silos that have been abandoned. Um, but when you see all of these side by side, it really is an, uh, a unique, uh, well, photographic art experience uh, that really has a, a, a message about the history of these um, once active missile silos. Wow. Um, and it is an amazing collection of photographs. So in he will be at or his exhibit will be at the Lenexa City Center Library. Um and yeah. And and that's and that's September first through Starting December thirty first. Yeah. So yep, Lenexa yep. City Center Library. And um, once again, you can go to the website jocolibrary.org slash exhibitions and uh, scroll down the page just a little bit. You'll find Nate's little block there. And yep. uh, if you click read more, you will see that there is um, an essay and some of the work. And uh, uh, an interview that I'm assuming was conducted by you, Brian. 
Uh, well, you one of your staff. You are partly right, um, and I forgot that we that, do that's have the interview. Usually, with my Nate. mo is being partly right. So. <laughs> We do have the interview with Nate up already on the Exhibitions blog, and uh, Mariana Kislavsky, uh, one of my cohorts in the local arts uh-huh. team, she is responsible for, for the interviews with the artists, and she does a really great job of asking uh, the really good questions about what the exhibit is all about. And you can find out more information yeah. about These... Nate and the other artists on the on the blog in their yeah, own words these are so interesting we we have a slideshow here with um one two three four five six seven eight photo so yeah um they're fascinating i mean uh d- does he do this with a drone to get this aerial perspective yeah yeah wow yeah. okay well i'll tell you what we have a lot of ground to cover <laughs> and uh uh we could talk about nate all afternoon but i mean Hey, that that is amazing that he's up for this prestigious award, and um, yes, the, the fact that you're able to reach out to an individual of that quality to have them involved with library programming is exemplary. So good it on was you, really, <laughs> It was uh, kismet uh, that this this prize announcement that being shortlisted. Um, happened uh, right before his work was is due to go on display at, at Lenexa. Okay. So yeah, there's going to be more news about that about that prize um, yep. soon. I'm sure it'll be stay be covered. Stay yeah. Um, well, I, I do. Yeah. Dave, if I can point out one other artist. Um, yeah, absolutely. We have Sol Anzarina um, showing her work at the Cedar Row Library, and um, for those listeners who may receive the library program guide directly in their mail they're already going to be familiar with soul's work because her paintings and illustrations are featured on the cover of the current guide um, she uh, is soul is not only a, a prolific painter and one that that whose work is really striking, um, uh, but she's also a muralist, and she is working with a number of different artists on a on a new mur- mural, uh, and not too far from the Cedar Row Library. Uh, she's really? also a musician too, and we've featured her and her duo Roadkill Rising on our local music blog. So she is a multifaceted artist, and. I'm very excited that we're going to be able to bring her work uh, to the Cedar Row Library. Um, wow. You're, you're really up in your game, Brian. And I, we've already had such quality. Um, this is definitely high-quality art. And my my thing is, we would not have library. We would not have a library collection if it weren't for artists and writers. The artists and writers... Um, make up such a large chunk of the collection uh, that that gets used every day. The exhibitions program is is our opportunity to spotlight visual artists specifically who live and work in our community, and it, it enhances the library experience. 
it inspires everybody who sees it. Um, and it just adds to the overall quality of Johnson County Library in general. And so um, this is a way, because we've, we have libraries and libraries have walls, and what can you do with those walls? Well, you can do a number of things. You can just paint things on them, or you can add the work of local artists to really make this library system even better um, while supporting the local artists themselves and spreading the word about who they are, what their work is about. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Brian, when when my daughter was growing up and I would always try to go through the calendars of different places and destinations and just see what was going on. And I always made sure that um art exhibitions were in the mix. And sometimes those were at local colleges or libraries or you know, at, at different galleries and things like that. And sometimes maybe it was only like a handful of works. But I think that that interaction with a piece that touches you in some way and, and makes you think, makes you feel, I, I think that's uh, stuff that uh, is immeasurable and important. And I agree with that. And, and <laughs> of course you the, the library buildings are used in so many different ways, and people come into our branches to to read, to study, to meet with people. Um, and the, I think sometimes we can underestimate the uh, the effect of of an art experience on just the everyday um, and in our everyday lives, and how art yeah. enhances everything that that we do um, and the the libraries are also used by artists themselves in ways that a lot of times we were not even aware of writers will come in to work on their latest novel or a writing project and you know they're they're doing research right. and we don't necessarily see that artists come in to check out art books or some other kind of reference books inspirational material and we're not necessarily going to see that i i i see the library as being um really one of the prime locations in our community where people um where that fuels people's creativity um and really yeah. makes art happen and yeah um, i'm just very thankful and, and excited to be part of this program at Johnson County Library. Yeah. Well, Brian, I'll tell you what, I have a real conundrum because um, when we were talking about um, Nate's work and how he is uh, on the shortlist for a prize, I thought, wow, that's a really great transition to the local music blog because not too long ago we had one of our local musicians why the ghost uh you know find some international success and then you started talking about soul and um she was featured on one of our library uh on demand events um artist yes. uh, 
Artisan uh, Artisan Sight. So which direction, this is choose your own adventure. Which direction do you want to go? Do you want to talk about Artisan Sight or maybe the local music? Let's talk about Artisan Sight because that is directly connected to our exhibitions program. And the library on demand uh, site uh, reads for uh, Artisan Sight in this monthly series, we interview some of Kansas City area's best local visual artists for insights about their work, creative process, and things that inspire them. Now, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag a little bit, um, but I find this extremely interesting that you yourself are a uh, a very uh, talented artist, and I don't want to debate it. It's just a fact. Now, somebody that goes through the process of inspiration and um, creation comes to, comes from a place where they're better informed to interview another artist. And I've always noticed that with some of my friends that are in the arts, you know, one of the earliest projects I ever did for the library was uh, film a uh, artist in residence that we had who was a potter and one of my artist friends, um, it was like these two were speaking their own language because they knew what questions to ask each other. Do you feel like you've got that kind of insight that uh, you you have this connection with the folks that you're interviewing and you can really get some some high quality um, answers from? Yeah, I think it it depends. You can get a high quality interview with somebody who, who is not in, uh, doing the same thing as, as the person that they're interviewing. I, I think it's just finding what, what interests me. What do I want to know about this other artist's process or um, insights? I, it's just coming up with questions that I am just interested in. And part of what I'm interested in is talking about what what are these artists, what are their favorite books? What are their favorite movies? What do they listen to? Um, that is part of each interview where we touch on what their favorite books are and, and what has inspired them from, yeah. from these books or movies or music. Because I am somebody who... I love music and um, and visual art, and I try to combine those two things in, in whatever I do. And so I'm looking for that for that thread and and artists who may be working in a different medium, but just trying to parse out. Okay, what what is the the spark here? Um, and what do they like to read? What inspires them? That really is the core of the conversations that, that we have with, yeah. with artists. So you've conducted one, two, three, four, five, six of these interviews so far. So far, yeah. At, what, what has really surprised you? Well, I'll tell you, um, I, for me, there are always little tidbits of information about um, what what an, uh, what uh, an artist's background 
is. And for for example, one of the first interviews that that we did that I did was with um, Chico Sierra. And Chico is, you know, he's multifaceted. He's he does everything. He does music, and he he does. He's a very prolific prolific painter. But he mentioned how the library when he was growing up, when he was a kid, he would skip school to go to his local library and and read. He would actually skip school. His mom would drop him off. And he would instead go to the local library. He he just felt like he would get more of an education, more of an education from there. <laughs> and and so the Did You Hear podcast does not recommend <laughs> right. The Johnson County Library does not endorse. <laughs> no. But it's but, things like, like that. It, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and Soul and Zarina has traveled uh, extensively um, uh, internationally. Um, and, uh, and, and her travels, uh, with, with her partner, um, have really, I mean, that's fuel for her creative fire, um, Mm -hmm. and how she, she found her way to Kansas city right before COVID started, um, after being, you know, I, I think she was in Argentina, Oh uh-huh. yeah. Anyways, she was, she had just gotten back from several months without, without technology, without cell phone, uh, right. without an iPad and getting into Kansas city right before COVID started and having to think about how she was going to make her way as, as an artist, as a visual artist. Well, coming up in just a bit, we have a segment from your interview uh, with Soul, and um, we're going to share that with our podcast audience. Now, you mentioned Chico Sierra, and I think this is a good time to kind of pivot over to uh, local music because we have featured Chico on the local music blog, and we only have a few minutes left with you here, Brian. So where do you want to start with local music? Because... It's been around for a while. Maybe that's the best place. Like how how long have you had this blog and yeah. how many artists are featured there? Well, we have almost 300 oh my local <laughs> um, songwriters and composers. The project was started um, officially January of 2015. So six and a half years. Dave, you were there at the very wow. beginning. Um, and Absolutely. ultimately... This is a way for us to fill fill a gap in our 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 traditional compact disc music collection, where it was it got harder and harder to get CDs from uh, local artists and to make it as robust. Makes total and, sense. Uh, mm-hmm. As the Kent City music. Area and the music scene, the music community really is, and touch upon all the different kinds of music that's being created um, in the Kansas City metro area classical, blues, rock, folk, experimental, metal, and uh, to do it in a way that is informative and entertaining, um, you know, 
it, this is a way for us to, for, for the musicians to speak for themselves and to speak for their own uh, art. And, and it just, it just keeps going. I mean, there's no lack of, of artists to, to speak with, bands to feature. Um, it, yeah, the local music blog is a really yeah. the, the foundation of, of where, where I started with the local, uh, local arts as a, as yeah, a focus I, at the library. I, I, I want our audience to, to know that you can go to jocolibrary.org slash local music. It's a quick way to get there. And so what you'll find is uh, almost a grid of these wonderful um, musical faces. They're their own press shots. Yeah. And the way we set this up is that you can kind of shop uh, based on uh musical category um or or their photo and so if yeah. you click into any of these um it it has an interview and you get to learn about these great local artists but one thing that we really wanted to do from the get-go is to be able to share their music and so you had the foresight of seeing that CDs were going to be obsolete and it wasn't a matter of us reaching out to local artists to get their CDs so we could put it in their collection. It's the fact that not there's, there's no reason to put things on CDs necessarily. You know, it's an added expense for these local artists and a lot of them are recording out there on YouTube or out on SoundCloud or other places. And so we said, why not bring those sources of music into a page on our website so that we could introduce the music and the person or people to the Johnson County library audience? Yep. And I think I just summed it up. Yeah, you did. You did. Yeah, good <laughs> and job. And it's wildly successful. And and for a while there, we, we brought in some uh, local um, musicians to... Uh, film live sessions and yep. uh that that was fun while it lasted but uh um congratulations yeah. brian i mean it's just a fantastic endeavor and it's it's lasted through all these yeah. years yeah and um well i couldn't have done it with without you because dave was there at the very beginning and once short anecdote i'll tell about this when i first had the idea for this blog um and we had never really done anything like this before and I sat down with Dave, and uh, Dave said, "Do you have any content for this?" For this? <laughs> I said, "No, uh, I don't have any content." Uh, and he said, "Well, without content, you can't really have a blog." And so I had to convince the initial artists who would be part of this that without without a blog in place, that this is something that we want to do. Uh, I just kind of have to imagine it. And so let's get this ball rolling. And while at the same time, sitting down with with our uh, our library people who would who would make this happen in in, in IT and, and web content, that mm-hmm. there will be content and this will happen and this will be a su- success. Yeah. And uh, it, it took a little while, and um, but it was it was a really good opportunity to to show that. There, there is something 
here and there are plenty of artists and this can really be a successful endeavor. And so I'm just grateful that I was given the, the chance to, to make this a success. So, um, well, Brian, thank you so much for all the work that you do with, uh, local, uh, exhibiting artists. And, uh, we encourage people again to go to, um, our exhibition section of the website and, also, all the wonderful on-demand program that's available at the library on-demand, and especially the work that you've been doing with Artist Insight. And finally, the local music blog. It's uh, a wonderful place to really get the flavor of all the different types of talented musicians that are out there and you can you can spend a, a a good number of hours listening to wonderful wonderful music brian thank you so much thank you dave it was so much fun thank you all right have a great all day right, you too bye so that's some great stuff from Brian and Brian has given us permission to sample a little bit of the content that is available in the artist insight, um, uh, section of our library on demand. Again, go to the homepage, jokolibrary.org. Look for that little box that says library on demand. You click it. And in the, uh, arts and culture section, there is, a series called Artists in Sight, and Brian has conducted, guess how many interviews? Hmm. Uh, He's looking at the website, so <laughs> if he gets the answer I wrong, I don't know. <laughs> like, at least five, but okay, no more than six. seven. There are <laughs> six. Somewhere in that range. Oh, my gosh. I'd say five to seven. Okay, so... <laughs> We're going to provide you a little taste of what you'll find there to give you the incentive to go to the library um, on-demand artist on site. And here's the thing, though. This is just the audio clip, and, and you'll hear it, and you'll be like, boy, that is really compelling content. When you go to library on-demand, it's not just an audio interview. You get to see um, the faces of both the interviewer and the interviewee, which is an artist, and there's this kind of like uh, slideshow type presentation. Sometimes it's a video, but we're talking about the works of artists accompanying this interview. And you get to kind of be in control. It's like, do I want to watch the people talking or do I want to watch the art? Yeah. And so super cool and really compelling, talented artists. And so, without further ado, here's a little sample of Brian Vole's interview with artist Sol Azarena. So, I'm very curious about a typical day in the life of Sol Azarena. How do you make time for art? And what do you do that supports your creative life? Well, uh, really... I have very flexible schedules because right now my full job is making art and <laughs> getting it out there. Uh, so every day I will paint is, is what I love to do and what I do for a living. So I will definitely find time for that. But when I start feeling stuck, like 
I don't have any inspiration for painting, I will definitely go outside, try to be in nature, go walk in the forest if, it, if that is possible for me, or go on a walk with my dog. That will always give me more inspiration. And I will also try to play music or do something else that is artistic, but it's not necessarily painting, because I think that all the artistic disciplines feed and, uh, how do you say, uh, they are part of the same thing. So if you're working on music, maybe suddenly you come up with an idea for your paintings later. Uh, this, I see Roadkill Rising is where all of these things intersect your music, art, and video making. Um, so which of these is the most challenging for you? Um, definitely making the music videos. Playing music, I started playing music like uh, six years ago when I met my partner a little bit after, because he's a musician, he has always been a musician. So. Uh, I saw what he was doing and I thought, that is amazing, I want to learn. Um, and it has always been like a, like a game, you know, like something fun to do for me. It's, it's, it doesn't feel complicated and I never had like a, a professional training in music. So to me, it feels just like a, a game. But for making videos, I had studied making videos in the university just a little bit, just one subject. And so I don't have much knowledge of how to do it. Uh, and we had all of these ideas that we wanted to make, bring to life. And we had to be learning how to make those. And for one of our videos that we were experimenting with animation, I had to make them by, make all the drawings by hand and then scan them and work on them in Photoshop. And that was super complicated because I had never done that before and because the process was super long. And after that, I thought uh, I have to make this easier. And I got uh, an iPad and started working digitally. And that, that has helped me a lot with the videos and with my art. With my art has changed a lot since I started painting digitally. we're back we are we're yep. back yep for one last plug of our website that's right jocolibrary.org yep and uh check out that explore tab check out four writers local music all the on-demand content yeah yeah and you know what if if you are a local writer or a local musician we would sure love to include you in the the podcast um we have this idea that you know if music or writing um you know, fits the theme of the episode, we sure would like to have that part of our, our website. And so we encourage you to reach out and contact us. Um, did you, that's uh did you hear at jocolibrary.org? I believe mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can yeah. email and us it, anytime. There's also some other forms of art out there besides those. There's also film, correct? So we, if there's any Kansas city native actors that are, active in film 
mm-hmm. out there that might want to get in touch with us. Yeah, that, that sure could be interesting as well. Like, uh, like a, I don't know, Paul Rudd, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my job of the hut laugh. <laughs> It's never going to happen. Oh. It's never going to happen. It might happen. You think? Let's find out. Let's do. We end today's show with another installment of In Search of Paul Rudd. Uh, yeah, may I uh, speak with uh, Paul Rudd, please? Please hold. Did You Hear is a production of Johnson County Library in Johnson County, Kansas, USA. Find new episodes each month on our website, jocolibrary.org, and older episodes at jocolibrary.org slash did you hear you can subscribe to the did you hear podcast from our streaming home jocolibrary.podbean.com or search for joko library or did you hear at your favorite podcast streaming service also find us on facebook at facebook.com slash joko library on twitter at joko library on instagram instagram.com slash joko library and check out our youtube channel youtube.com slash joko library we'd love to hear from you via email write to us at did you hear at jokolibrary.org hear a brand new episode on the first of next month thanks for listening